All right, here we go. Next episode of the ETS Podcast Pro Series. I always say I'm super excited about this one, but you know this one's pretty close to me. Obviously, uh, one of my one of my better friends, uh, my quarterback, Kirk Cousins. Uh, I'm excited for you guys to hear about his journey and and how he handles uh, adversity and and some of the crazy stuff that happened along his way of of getting to not only to college but to the NFL and and how that how that all worked out and how how we really use that to to have success so so take a listen and have fun I'm Adam Thielen with my trainer and ETS founder Ryan Engelberg and you are listening to the ETS podcast fueled by Caribou Coffee and Over Easy Breakfast Bars ETS is the place to train for all athletes all abilities ages 8 through the professional level let's go all right, let's do this. This is going to be great. Obviously, um, great friend of mine uh, and and my quarterback. Uh, it's good to have you on on with us, with Ryan and I, and, and talking a little bit about uh, your journey and then our journey together, and and a little bit about you know your background of of who you are and where you came from, and uh, yeah. So to start, would just love to hear about about you know. The little Kirk, you know, back in in sure. Hall in Michigan or Chicago, uh, <laughs> how you got into sports, what sports you played. That would be, a, uh, I think, our listeners would love to hear about about back in the day. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, great to be a part of it. I have so much respect for obviously you, Adam, but for ETS and for you, Ryan, and what you built. And so, uh, just think a lot of you guys and honored to uh, to hop on the podcast. But uh, grew up in the Chicago suburbs, as you as you mentioned. Uh, my dad uh, is a sports guy, you know, loves it to this day, lives and breathes it. And so it was a, a no brainer. We were going to be in sports as a kid, me, my brother, and my sister. And uh, I took to them all, uh, loved them all. Kind of whatever sport I was playing was my favorite, similar to you growing up. And um, football was, you know, kind of the passion for me as I got older, but played basketball and baseball all the way through high school. Um, you know, and, and, and wish I'd played a little more golf growing up because I play with you and my swing uh, is nowhere near where yours is. And so I wish I could uh, uh, have developed a little bit more of a skill at a younger age, but uh, um, played some golf in the summers, played some tennis. And then uh, when I was in middle school, our family moved to West Michigan. Uh, and so that, that really is home for me now because that's where all my high school memories were, all my high school buddies, some of my closest friends, many of my mentors are there. Uh, and so West Michigan is really home for me and I had a great experience there at a great school, high school that I went to. And, um, as I said, played three sports there and then was able to get a, uh, a scholarship to Michigan state very late in the recruiting process. Uh, but was able to kind of go to my dream school in Michigan state. And, uh, and so had a great childhood with an older brother, younger sister, um, parents who were very involved in my life, very engaged. And, uh, my dad coached me in a lot of the sports I played. So, um, really have a, a childhood that many people would envy. We, we look, I look, uh, we played golf the other, the other day together and I'd say your swing is getting pretty dialed. So, uh, <laughs> athletes are, are pretty, usually when they start uh, getting into something as you are in, in golf, you know, you figure it out pretty quickly. So it's, it's been fun to I see. I need your... to play more. I, I think yeah. that the hard part for me is I'll pick up the clubs, play a Friday round, and then I won't pick up the clubs again till the next Friday or maybe even two Fridays from then. And so, when you go that long between swinging, it's hard. So I look forward to a day, yeah. you know, my kids are a little older, maybe when I'm done playing football, where I'm going out every single day at the range and just hitting for 20 minutes or so. I think that would really help. 
And and I don't know if you're as crazy as me, but from that Friday to Friday, are you like thinking about like your swing and like how you're gonna you're gonna get better? Maybe and- not quite as much as you. I probably would be out there if I was, but at the same time, yeah, I do I do often find myself thinking about now now why can't I hit it straighter? And if I just maybe had a different you know club face angle and. Yeah, you kind of nerd out on that stuff a little bit, but uh, I like I said, I'm kind of looking forward when I'm done playing and really start grinding on my game. Yeah, I wake up in the middle of the night like, oh man, if I just do this, like uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have it figured <laughs> That's out. That's hard to believe, knowing you. That's really hard to believe, right? <laughs> Kirk, you mentioned uh, the recruiting process, right? I mean, I know from when you were in high school, that process has changed tenfold yeah, from really what it has. is right now, right? Yes, we have so many kids that are aspiring in all of our locations to to play D1, D2, whatnot. Um, when did you realize that it was like a, a goal, not necessarily a goal, but like it could actually happen for you? Like how yeah. late into the recruiting process were you getting recruited and, and what was that process like for you? What a great question. Yeah, I found that in my life there are dreams and then there are goals. For sure. And to play in, in college on a scholarship was a dream for you know the elementary school years, the middle school years, the early high school years. I, I really didn't make it a goal until probably my junior year. Yep. Um, playing football and being a quarterback in high school, very few teams throw the ball often, and they don't throw it effectively. And so as a freshman football player, as a JV football player, I noticed we're throwing the football a lot more than all the teams were playing, and we're throwing it pretty effectively. So that's that's got to be a good sign that I could play in college. Um, but when I went to some recruiting camps, you know, where it was starting to shift from being a dream to being a goal that, okay, I'm going to go here to a camp with a hundred quarterbacks and I'm gonna be able to kind of see where do I stand. And there's probably a dozen of these quarterbacks that have a dozen scholarship offers. So if I belong, then I'm going to have to be as good as these other dozen guys. And it was kind of a rubber meets the road moment for me. And, um, in that camp, I got feedback that I was one of the, just pure throwing the football, was one of the top five guys there. And I thought, okay, you know, I'm changing my, my deal now from this is a dream and kind of praying about it, hoping sure. it works, but not really going after it to, I got a chance here, I'm, I'm going to go after this. So uh, that was really junior, senior year where it was, I'm making a highlight tape, I'm, you know, finding addresses to schools, I'm mailing it out, I'm spending my Christmas break gathering research on schools that would make sense, the academic programs, the, the coaching staff, the offense, and really did a lot of work in the recruiting process to, to sell yourself and to get your name out there coming from a small school. So I didn't sit on my hands and just hope that it was going to work, um, was really proactive and tried to, to take the steps. But at the same time, uh, it was still difficult because sure. teams, schools realize that if you don't have a scholarship offer, they're not really competing against anyone. And so many times that first offer is a big deal because it kind of shows everyone that, okay, this, this guy's got an opportunity and we've got to step up to the plate or, or back off. And, um, and that happened for me really late, late in my senior year around Christmas break was, was I, I tell people I walked off the field of my last high school football game with no scholarship offers. Wow. So all my recruiting happened between the end of my senior football season and signing day. So it was a, a about three month period where it all happened. And uh, that was because, you know, teams or schools could afford to wait on me because I didn't have any offers. But uh, by God's grace, Michigan State, the only big 10 school, really the only power five school to offer me, offered me, um, right at, in you know two weeks before signing day so when that happens uh does that put a chip on your shoulder like when in that moment were you like all right like i'm gonna go prove these people wrong yeah. all the people that didn't offer me that didn't think i was good enough did that like you know is that in the back of your head like when you're going to michigan state and you're you're a freshman in, in the dorm rooms and and kind of starting that journey 
to some degree. I, I think chip on the shoulder is is a phrase I'll use. I think that uh, really what it is is a is a paranoia that you're not going to be good enough. And uh, there's a fear of failure that drives me. And, um, you know, there, there's a kid who, who as a junior in high school went to a camp with 100 quarterbacks, was told he was in the top five, ahead of kids who had 30 or 40 offers, and nobody had offered me. And there was this confusion. Well, there's this excitement that, hey, I'm, I may have a chance to play. There's this confusion driving home saying, why is no one offering me? And I think that created this sense of I have to do that much more. I have to go that much more out of my way to, to be the best, to find a way to make it. And to this day, there's still that paranoia, that drive inside you that says, uh, am I doing enough? Have I done enough? I think it's a balance where on one hand, it's certainly probably gotten you to where you are, <laughs> that you never really relax. On the other hand, it's this constant churning <laughs> that at times yeah. you need to just take a deep breath and, and relax. And uh, trying to find that balance has always been a tough part of my career. But uh, the the arrogant side of having fifty offers where every, you know everybody's telling you how great you are. I didn't have that, mm-hmm. and I think that was really healthy for me for sure. to kind of my whole journey and even through college to feel like I may not make it, and that I may not make it mindset probably was what made me a, a better player, a better quarterback, and a better person. I think that's so powerful because the feel of failure for a lot of people right makes them go the other way. Like I'm not going to go for it, or I'm not going to try for this, you know and you know, hearing from you, which doesn't surprise me one bit, like that fear motivated you. I know me growing up too, right? It's it's the fear of what could happen if I don't put everything I have into yeah. this, right? Yeah. And that's what motivates you to, to be the best, to do the things um, extra that other people maybe aren't doing. So well I think said. that's super powerful. That's yeah, you, awesome. got, you guys have all lived that. And fulfilling potential for me has always been a big for deal. Sure. You know, my, if, if my potential is to, is to end up playing division three football, right. then great, but let's fulfill that. For sure. And so my dream was always go as far as I can possibly go, get to the highest ceiling I can get to, whatever that may be. And I didn't know, but I was always driven by, uh, you know, don't leave anything on the table. Right. And there's another thing too. I mean, Adam, we talk about this all the time and you mentioned all the sports you played growing up and you say you would not be in the NFL as a wide receiver if you hadn't played basketball, if you hadn't golfed, if mm-hmm. you hadn't done all these things growing up. Can you say the same thing? Yeah. Like those those sports fueled and helped you become the quarterback that you are? Yes, absolutely. I went to a small enough high school where I had the chance to play basketball right. and baseball. I think if I'd gone to a very large high school, it would have been too competitive. I wouldn't have been able to get on the basketball court and make the team. But uh, in my case, I was able to do that, got to play three sports through high school. And, and basketball specifically, I think, was one that you're just pushing your body every day, playing defense, running up and down the court, the agility, jumping. Um, it was so good for my body uh, to go through that at you know, 16, 17, 18, uh, probably better than, than if I had just played football and then gone to the weight room all winter. For sure. I really think that basketball provided the, what I needed even more than the weight room. And so I, I do think it was a major benefit to play other sports and specifically ones like basketball. They're so active and force you to be so agile. Right? I, I think it's so great for our, our youth, our, our athletes and our locations to hear that because so much of them, you know, so much nowadays they see all the specializing, you know, all the, you know, basketball is full time all year round. Um, it's football. It's like you're doing seven on seven camps. You're doing all this stuff and they feel maybe as if they they won't be able to make it as far as if they don't give everything into just one sport. Um, but I think if you go around our locker room and correct me if I'm wrong, but like everybody played another sport yeah. or or multi sports or and and probably thought they were better at other yeah. sports and maybe liked uh, other sports better when they were younger. So 
um, you know, how many times in the locker room is yeah. there an argument of who's the best basketball player on the team? You know? Yeah, I, I would say that Harrison <laughs> Harrison Smith won the heptathlon in in the state of Tennessee as a senior in high school. You can fact check me on that. If I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. But I believe he won the state title. So you're talking a guy who's doing six track events wow. with a scholarship to Notre Dame. He's doing these six track events and doing them high enough and well enough to to win the state. That shows you how well-rounded of an athlete he is, not just a guy who's focused on f- playing football and lifting weights. Um, and I think, like you said, it, it probably plays better into long-term athlete development to be more well-rounded. Mm-hmm. I think for a short burst, yes. If you're super specialized, you might be able to win a golf tournament at 15 or 16 if all you've done right, for the right. last 10 years is putt and drive and chip. But when you're when you're 36... You know your your athlete development or twenty six is probably better if if you've been well rounded. So you have to factor in: Do I want to play for the long game right. or play for the short game, and uh, and make those decisions? And I think football is a unique sport where there is no AAU, right, right. there is no club team to play on. Really, there shouldn't be because of how physically demanding sure. it is. And so you have to go do other things if you're a football player. You don't really have the choice. I, mean, I remember being frustrated. I wish there was an AAU spring football that I could have played in middle school, but there wasn't. So it gives you the chance to play other sports, whereas many sports, like you mentioned, basketball, baseball, golf, tennis, they are asking to do it year-round, and so the temptation is much stronger than it might be for a football player. And I think it's time for me to, to throw this out there right now, too. Has Adam ever mentioned to you that he played basketball growing up? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, and and one of the things that he talks about when he's done maybe playing in the NFL is he thinks realistically he could get in the NBA. Little now, Timberwolves action. Yeah, would you, would you back that one up, Kurt? Well, I, I, I've never, seen, never seen him play. I've never seen him play. We've talked. I've obviously seen him do athletic things. Uh, maybe if he's the guy, you know, in hockey, you have an enforcer yep. who goes in and okay. like just kind of, you know, lays the law. But he's not tough enough for that, is he? Well, I think he goes in there, gets three fouls quickly, <laughs> kind of lets people know I'm here, you know, I'm playing defense. Then maybe that's his game, but uh, uh, we'll see. Okay. I'm really grinding for the PJ Tour right now. I can so. tell. I can. A lot of options. A lot so, of options. We're going to take a very quick break here to not only thank our sponsor, Caribou Coffee, but also make a few cups of coffee to fuel us for the rest of this episode. Download the Caribou Perks app today in the App Store and order ahead to have your coffee waiting for you. So tell us a little bit about um, you get to Michigan State. I remember seeing this picture. I'm sure they post it all the yeah. time on on you know when we play in big games but of you Nick Foles who was the other guy Brian Hoyer that's right Brian mm-hmm. Hoyer um so you're in that quarterback room it's like those guys are talented right. obviously um tell us a little bit about that that freshman year and you come in there there's a ton of talent it's big 10 football it's a little bit different than Hall and Christian no doubt uh tell us a little bit about that experience yeah I was a small fish in a big pond and that was a little intimidating but it was my dream right I wanted to be there sure. and um, I was very aware that I may in a couple of years have to transfer <laughs> to a division three school to ever get on the field, but I'm going to try and see how far I can go. And, um, I remember when I had committed and signed my scholarship and then Nick Foles committed and signed a scholarship. And I looked at Nick Foles track record. He had played at Drew Brees' high school, broke all of Drew Brees' records and played in the state championship game in Texas at the largest division in Texas. And I thought, Oh no, <laughs> I'm in trouble. Wow. And he's obviously next, you know, six, five and 230 pounds. Right. And, he, and he was as a 18 year old. And so I thought this isn't looking good for me. Uh, Brian Hoyer was a starter for those first two years that I was there, which was great. I did not want to play right away. I wasn't ready to play right away. It was best for me to watch someone who would go on to have a, a double digit year career in the NFL to be able to watch him play and operate. And so that was great for me. Uh, Nick and I competed that first year for the backup spot. I lost that competition. He was uh, ahead of me on the depth chart. And then in spring football, we got the chance to, uh, to compete again. And we started to kind of even out. 
Uh, and then at that moment, Nick ended up transferring, which uh, really had more to do with the fact that he was from Texas. Michigan's a long ways from Texas. He had a chance to play for a school closer to home. It was a better fit for him, for his family. And so uh, he went to, to Arizona, and we both were able to end up playing and getting drafted and, and having long pro careers. But uh, to be around that much talent in a quarterback room at the time was stressful. Sure. <laughs> at the time, it made me think, I may never play. I've got to move on. But going back to that fear of failure and kind of that real realization that if I don't push, if I don't drive myself, I'm not going to make it, made me a better quarterback and, and probably is why I'm still playing football today is because I was thrown into such a, a, a talented room, and it really did – at times intimidate me, but it made me dig deeper and become a better quarterback and, and has led me to be able to, you know, play professionally. Wow. That's awesome. So, so with that being said, when you got to the professional ranks, right? I mean, coming in, having a chip on your shoulder, coming out of high school, going to college, I would assume you had that same chip, Yeah, you know, same draft class as RG3, right? Like how you're able to handle that and, and use that as fuel. It's kind of the same thing, right? Use the failure, feel of, fear of failure as fuel to to get past that that hurdle too and obviously sure. it, it led to some really good things well not too many guys get or not too many quarterbacks get drafted in the same draft class right and within with a first rounder rounds, right? within two rounds yeah, with, yeah that's pretty crazy rounds. i mean there's probably not a lot of guys you can lean on and be like hey how do right. i handle this well that was my my walk through high school into college was very similar to my walk from college into the pros i remember i was starting um in college i was wanting to go to medical school so i'm taking organic chemistry yeah. and some of those types of classes that require a little bit more studying than For maybe sure. your basic stuff and and my quarterback coach who wasn't one to just give out compliments left and right said kirk you got a chance to play professionally and um, to the degree that school is kind of pulling you away from, you know, chasing that goal, you might want to look at, you know, maybe getting your degree, but not killing yourself and seeing how far you can go with football. And I thought, boy, you know, he, he may be right. You know, this, this, he's not giving out compliments left and right. And if he's saying that, I probably really do have a chance. So uh, at that point, I made a decision. I'm going to go from it being a dream where I'm just kind of hoping that it works out right. to making it a goal. And okay, I'm going to actually make some plans here and take some some course of action to to try to get there. And um, ended up, you know, I was on a very talented team at Michigan State, uh, won a lot of games. So I was I realized when I left that I got a chance here to get to get drafted. There were eight quarterbacks that were all viewed as legitimate NFL quarterbacks. Uh, they were all going to go in the first few rounds. And uh, and so it was not so much, you know, hey, am I going to go to this team or am I going to go in this round? It was more of a where am I going to fall within these eight guys getting picked? And so that was kind of the competition, if you will, going through the combine, going through pro day was to try to say, all right, I want to be closer to third or fourth than eighth. Right. And as it ended up happening, uh, Andrew Luck went first overall, rightfully so. Uh, Robert Griffin went second overall and ended up winning rookie of the year. Uh, Ryan Tannehill went eighth overall. So he was the third guy picked. And then it was Brandon Whedon. And then it was Brock Osweiler in the second round. And then it was Russell Wilson, uh, sixth of the eighth, went to Seattle in the third round. Uh, and then Nick Foles went seventh uh, out of the eight of us, and then I went eighth, <laughs> and I went to Washington. And so I remember being a little bit discouraged that of those eight guys, I was eighth. And it was not only that discouragement, but the fact that I went to a team that had just drafted a quarterback with a second overall pick in Washington with Robert, and I thought, this is probably a dead end. And so it was kind of a double disappointment. And yet I was also just drafted in the NFL, which is a dream come true. Right. So it was a mix of emotions. But I remember Mike Shanahan getting on the phone um, – when he picked me and he explained, Kirk, this was a Saturday. He said, I drove home Friday night when the third round was over and you were still on the board. And I looked at our board and players available. And it was sort of you in terms of how we had you graded and then a big drop off to the next person available and their grade. 
So he said, I kind of had that decision driving home Friday night and coming back to work Saturday morning of, do we draft a guy who we have graded much higher or do we draft somebody in a position of need? And he said, I'm, I'm going to take you. So uh, he kind of did an atypical decision to do that, but I'm so grateful he did because I got to play for him, for his son, Kyle. Matt LaFleur was my quarterback coach. Sean McVay was a tight ends coach. Mike McDaniel, the now head coach awesome. of the Dolphins, was, was quality control. So I was very blessed to, uh, to be on that, on that, under that coaching staff. And, um, uh, and it was, once again, like you said, I got you know, bigger shoes to fill now. And I go from you know, making it in college to now I got to make it in the pros. And I don't know if I can. <laughs> right, right. So talk about a little bit now. Now, fast forward a little bit. Um, you know, Robert Griffin gets hurt a little bit. You get an opportunity to play. Maybe it doesn't go as well as you'd like it to. Talk about kind of like some of that, that failure uh, yeah. and success that you've had through your career and, and how that's how that's kind of uh, how you've handled that sure. and then how you've taken the next step from from both failure and success. Sure. I, I got a few small roles uh, my rookie year, Robert's rookie year, when he won rookie of the year, which uh, was a great opportunity for me to kind of sit back and just watch someone playing at a really high level in this league. I thought that was a great thing for me to be able to experience. And then played a little bit years one and two, some good, some bad. Um Year three, Robert got hurt such that I was able to play for about five straight games, which was the first time I would get true starting experience week in and week out. And it started good, but ended poorly. I threw more interceptions than touchdowns. At the end of that five-game stretch, I ended up getting benched. And that was the first time in my career where a coach said, you're not, you're not, you're, you're hurting our football team and you need to go from being on the field. You need to go sit on the bench and stop playing. And that's not a good feeling. And I ended the season watching from the sidelines for the final 10 or so weeks. And, uh, and that was difficult, but it was also necessary. I think, again, it drove me to say, there's some holes in my game that need to be improved that were sort of hiding when I was just a backup. Uh, I got exposed a little bit and need to go back to drawing board and need to rework this. And uh, came back that next year, was given the opportunity to start from week week one and really have been able to be a starter ever since. And uh, and so I'm so grateful for how things transpired, even though in that 2014 season, it did not go the, the way that I wanted. That's crazy. It's, I've got a question. Yeah, go I for mean, it. So at the quarterback position, right? Like arguably probably the, the toughest position in all sports, right? To learn, to master the amount of responsibility you have. Like I feel like there's – what is the fine line between a – a Brandon Whedon, right? And someone like yourself or somebody that has a lot of success, right, in the NFL. I feel like coming out of college, right, every quarterback is talented. Those top eight guys you you mentioned, like they're all talented. They can all throw. Like what is the difference between yeah. someone like, not calling him out, right, but somebody sure. like him or others that get drafted high that never make it? Is it, is it just lack of discipline, lack yeah. of commitment, not facing their fear, you know, and – being afraid of failure? Like, what do you think it is? What could I think success and failure is such a multifaceted um, answer that it's hard to say any one thing. I think there are quarterbacks who are just average, who play with really good players and coaches around them. Sure. And they end up looking to the untrained eye like really, really good quarterbacks. I think there are really, really good quarterbacks that play with very average players around them and very average coaches, and they sort of carry the team and put them on their back, and the fan has no idea right. how much is on the quarterback to get done and how much the coach and the teammates aren't helping them. So the trained eye knows that, but the untrained eye doesn't, and I think that um, there's that variable. I also think that uh, uh, you know you can have a certain number of traits, and you ha if you have a few, it can help carry through even if you don't have others and so traits like accuracy I think are really really important that are hard to hide you know if you don't have accuracy but you have all the other traits you're gonna have a hard time for sure 
uh, decision making or your mental processing, your visual and mental processing, your ability to assimilate information quickly. They don't have many tests for that, or if they do, they're they're not well understood. And you know that's a key piece. So you know arm strength very important, got to have it. But you can get away with with playing in the NFL without it if you have accuracy and your mental processing is very quick. Um, if you have arm strength and you don't have those two things, you're going to be in trouble. So there's all these variables that all kind of come together to form a recipe for a player. You just need to have more of the traits than not, but a couple that I think stand out are accuracy and, and that mental quickness. For sure. So with, with nowadays, again, you know, we have a lot of young athletes that are listening to this, that, that train at ETS. And, um, I think nowadays is more than ever before, just like the mental health, the social media, the scrutiny, the the success and failure, it's so amplified. Um, and as a quarterback, it's really amplified, right? Like as a receiver, yeah, we get some of it. Uh, but as the quarterback, it's almost like the head coach where like you're losing, it's it's like, oh, he's he's it's he's the reason. Or if you're winning, it's like he's the reason. Yeah. Too much ha- praise too, you know. You know, we, it's, we it's, get it's told both sides, right? For right, winning. Right. <laughs> so so like it, I think it'd be interesting for our young listeners to to understand how do you handle both sides mm. of that. Uh, because because it is really difficult and mentally it can be really draining and and for these young athletes even though they're not having thousands and thousands of people watching them and and watching ESPN and people talking about it still they're they're having their friends um, their peers their their coaches their teachers that are on social media there's people blasting them things like that how do you how do you handle that stuff well I try not to ride the roller coaster because yeah. it can be a roller coaster right um, I, the longer I go in my football career and in life, the more I realize how important self-awareness is as a trait and to have emotional intelligence. And so when people are praising you, to be able to put that in a proper context of understanding that that feels good, I appreciate that, but it can't change how I approach my job, how I go to work, or you know, it, I can't f- kind of be tempted into believing that that I've arrived. And then the flip side is also true, that when people are criticizing you and trying to bury you, you have to remind yourself that, okay, while there's some hints of truth there, that's not the whole picture and tough times don't last and tough people do. And so I need to just keep pushing and to be able to not ride the roller coaster and just kind of sort the the good from the bad, I think is very important. And they don't really have classes that teach you that. You kind of have to just have that self-awareness and emotional intelligence as you go through it. But there's no doubt it's part of the journey. And certainly at the NFL quarterback level, it's it's a big deal. But I think we all deal with that in our daily life, even as young people, getting feedback that is good or bad, and then knowing how to process it. And while adversity tests us many times, you know, the Bible also talks about in Proverbs how success tests us too. And so we have to be able to respond not only mm-hmm. to adversity, which is difficult, but we got to be able to respond to success as well. And both sides of it will will test us. For sure. I always tell my kids too, I'm like, how you handle yourself when things are going great and how you handle yourself when things are going bad, is it, is it really a true testament of who you are, right? Amen. It's easy to ride it when, when things are going good, shots are falling, right? But when you face adversity and you're, you know, you're starting your get to leave, you start 0 for 5, what's the quickest way to get back on is to keep shooting and believing in yourself, right? And not letting that get you down, that's right. you know, and I think that's such a powerful thing, you know, coming from you guys, right? Like, You've got to be able to face the adversity that you face, uh, you know, but handle it with class and and pull something positive out of it. Because I've always said, you know, I've never met somebody really successful that hasn't had way more adversity that they've had to overcome to get there than somebody that's not, you know, and that's that's part of the journey and you're learning it through the 
through the process of, sure. of what turns you into the man that you are too. So well I, said. I think, uh, um, you know, you talk about like riding the roller coaster, right? I think that's why I love golf so much and why it's been really good for me, especially in the off seasons of like, I ride the roller coaster. That's like my personality. Like I am a very emotional person. And so I think golf has taught me and why, why I like to play it so much in the off season. Cause I feel like it is the one way that I can, um, get better mentally and how, because golf, you can't ride the roller coaster. If you do, you are, you are screwed. You are absolutely screwed. And I think that when you actually, like when you play the game of golf, you have to focus on every shot, depending on what, doesn't matter what you did on the last hole. And it doesn't matter what you did on the last shot. Like that next shot is important because you count every shot. Yes. Uh, Where in football or other sports, you can have a bad play and and the next, it it doesn't really, doesn't really matter because if you have three downs to get a first down. Sure. Or you have another opportunity to catch a touchdown or, 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 you know what I'm saying, where I'm going with that. But, um, but I think that's why golf is so great is, is you can't ride the roller coaster. And for me, with my personality, it's been, it's been good for well, me. And- we, we were playing golf a couple of weeks ago and, uh, uh, near the end of our round and I hit a pretty good tee shot, which is rare for me. And it was <laughs> right down the middle ish, but there was a, uh, there was a bunker kind of in the middle of the fairway that I ended up hitting it into. And we're looking for my ball and we end up seeing it in the bunker and you're like, I'm in the bunker after that tee shot. And I look at Adam and I'm like, you know what? 10% of life is what happens to you. 90% is how you respond. Yeah. And I, I grab my iron and I'm like, all right, let's put this thing on the green. And of course, my next shot, you know, barely, you know, it hits the lip of the sand trap and then kind of sputters out. I look at Adam and I'm like, 90% how you respond. Like, at some point, I'm just not a great golfer. So, uh, you know, we were even talking about it jokingly on the golf course, how no matter where that golf shot goes, it's about the next shot and responding sure. and not just kind of reacting to what happened. We'll get back to the podcast in just a second, but we wanted to take some time to thank our sponsors, Over Easy Breakfast Bars, Caribou Coffee, and Gone Rogue Snacks. We all live busy lives, and whether you are on the field, running a business, recording podcasts, or at home with the family, everyone needs a snack that can keep up. That's why I've been digging new all-natural turkey bites from Gone Rogue. With 10-plus grams of protein, less than 4 grams of carbs, and less than 3 grams of sugar, It's a snack that satisfies my cravings without having to sacrifice on taste. You can find Gone Rogue all-natural turkey bites and Gone Rogue high-protein chicken chips at Hy-Vee stores near you. Over-Easy breakfast bars were introduced to us at ETS earlier this year, and ever since then, they've been a staple in my diet. When Ryan recommends it, you know the ingredients are healthy, and Over-Easy's ingredients are simple, clean, and wholesome. I have at least one a day, and it helps fuel me throughout my workouts and meetings during the season. We also want to thank Caribou Coffee for fueling this podcast. My day always starts with a cup of Caribou Coffee, whether it's team meeting, practice, workouts. You get the point. I love coffee, and Caribou is the best to fuel my day and yours. Download the Caribou Perks app today in the App Store and order ahead on your next visit. Now let's get back to the ETS podcast. And how is, because obviously, uh, you know, we know, and, and for us, it's impo- faith is important to us, and, and as for you, we know. How have you used faith in, in, in that and how has that helped you? Like, can you imagine not having faith in some of, in handling some of these situations that you've had to handle throughout your life? And, yeah. and how has that, you know, how has that helped your approach through the mental stuff, the dealing with some adversity, yeah. things like that? Well, thanks for asking. I, um, I've often said that God probably had my, his plan for my life to be an NFL quarterback because he knew it was going to force me to stay on my knees and stay close to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it has. And, uh, and so, you know, and, and God hasn't made the path easy 
You know, there's been plenty of challenges, plenty of difficult moments, but I think he had a plan in all of it, and and he was going to use it to accomplish his purposes for my good and for his glory, and uh, he's certainly done that in my football journey. So I just feel so fortunate where I'm sitting, feeling like, boy, you know, God's hand of blessing, his hand of protection is so evident, and I'm so grateful for that. I want to steward well what he's given me, and, um, and really that's where the responsibility falls for me. But, uh, you know, I look back on so many answered prayers and so many times where I felt like, you know, I'm in a moment where it didn't make sense. You know, when, when Nick Foles commits to Michigan State and it looks like I'll never play there, I'm going, God, God, why did you bring me to Michigan State just to sit on the bench and never play? And he's saying to me, well, you know, I, I, I have a plan. I have a purpose. You just need to take it one day at a time and trust me. And that's where my life verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, really became real for me, which says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your steps. And so whenever a fork comes in the road for me, uh, I just remember that verse, and I say, all right, I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm not going to trust my understanding. My understanding has been wrong so many times, but I'm going to trust you, and, uh, and I'll let you direct my steps. And he has time and again directed my steps. He's directed my steps to Minnesota. Uh, he's directed my steps since I've been in Minnesota. And, uh, and so I'm very grateful for that. And, uh, and he hasn't failed me yet. So I'm going to keep trusting him and see where he leads us from here. So, so we are, you know, we ETS, we do train athletes, right? right. So you do it well, (laughs) I would hate to, I would hate not to talk about training. So, um, so take us back. Um, cause I always talk about this and it is a big reason why I got involved with ETS and why Ryan started it. And, um, and it, because, because when I was a kid and when I was in middle school, high school, I didn't have an ETS. I didn't have anything even close to it or access to anything near where I live to something like it. And it's why, probably why I'm so passionate about it and bringing uh, more locations to to more athletes. But um, how about, how about your experience with training as a middle school, high school athlete? What did that look like? And then you get to Michigan state right? and how did that change your approach? um, And how did it benefit you and help you to get to where you are now? This is a topic I'm also very passionate about because you and I both had to live it. We've seen the good, we've seen the bad, we've seen the ugly, and we've done it now for so many years. You know, when I was a middle schooler, I mean, thir- 13 years old, that was 20 years ago. So we've been doing this for a while and, and <laughs> learning what works about, and, <laughs> and, and what doesn't. Um, you know, it is so important to train correctly. You know, I think much of my challenges now really go back not to football, but to improper training, to overtraining, to not understanding what I was doing and still doing it 100 miles an hour. <laughs> I think that's led to more issues than actually playing football has. And so you have to train smart. You have to know what you're doing. You have to be around the right people, get in the right program. And, um, and when you do that, it's incredible what can happen. The fun that it can be, the, you know, the athlete you can tap into that you didn't know was there, um, you know, the potential, the ceilings that you can reach that you didn't think you could. So I'm very passionate about this. I'm still on a quest to kind of find what, what does my body need, what's best for it at each stage in my journey. But, um, you know, I think what ETS is doing for young people, not only in the Twin Cities or in Minnesota, but there's an ETS in my hometown. Um, you know, what you're doing across the Midwest, really someday across the country, is, um, is very important and uh, will make a difference for thousands of kids, tens of thousands of kids, as they look to excel as middle school, high school athletes, and many of them get college scholarships. Well, I really appreciate you saying that, Kirk. I mean, you know, obviously what you have been doing and are doing is, is working great for you, staying healthy year in after year out. Um, but with that being said, like how much time do you take 
off after the season. Obviously, yeah. I'm sure your body's a little beat down. Like, right. is it a week? Is it two weeks? Um, what does that look like for you um, from like a load management standpoint on your yeah. body after the season? Well, one of my big load management uh, pieces that I differ from a lot of people is during the season, I take an off day uh, every week. So Tuesday, if we're on a Sunday to Sunday schedule, is entirely off. So I don't do anything related to work. No football, no body work, nothing. And as a quarterback, that's pretty unusual. You know, coaches would like to see their starting quarterback in the building watching sure. some tape, doing some work on Tuesday. But I just have made it clear that's not it's not going to be my rhythm. I'll work hard the other six days, yep. but I am taking one day off. I found that's been tremendous for me during the season to hold up. Uh, in the off season, I think the break is probably for me even more important mentally than physically. You know, I don't get quite as beat up as many other positions, but mentally and emotionally, it, it helps to just kind of get away. And I think that's part of, uh, yeah, taking maybe a couple weeks, you know, when the season ends, it's probably not a hard, fast rule for me, but a couple weeks. And then I'm the kind of guy that after a couple weeks of not doing much, my, I, I want to get back. Sure. My, my, my body starts to feel a little tight and like it needs a little work. And so it may not be high intensity stuff. It may just be, you know, getting some tissue work, going out, playing tennis, that kind of a thing. And then as we get closer to April, start to ramp it up a little bit, start throwing the football a little more. Um, and then through April, when we get back with the team, you ramp it up again. So it's been a process of learning what works for me. And it, it's a, it's a moving target as you get older right. too. And each season, what each season does to your body changes your priorities. But, um, I've enjoyed kind of figuring that out. I was a kinesiology major in college. So exercise science is something that I've kind of gravitated towards and take pride in, in, um, you know, taking care of myself and feeling good and, and being able to play at my best. Right. And I think that's also powerful is like not everybody's path is the same, right? in the off season, what that looks like. I mean, you got to figure out what's best for yes. your body, you know, like, um, and, and people have, you know, people that they work with that they've, they trust and pour their heart and, and soul into what they do and prescribe. And I think that's super important, right? Like you got to have that, that circle that has your back, but also nobody knows how your body feels and nobody knows how Adam, your body feels better than you guys. Right. And you got to right. listen to that. Um, and then have people that support that. So that's, that's been awesome. When, when my first season starting 2015, when that ended, I was road tripping home after the season, I had about 12 hour drive. And one of the things I did in that drive was I, I got some phone numbers of some quarterbacks who had already played 10, 15 years in the NFL. And I just called them and said, what do you do now? You know, I just started 16 games plus a playoff game. What do you do? How do you take care of yourself? Do you get right back at it? Do you wait a couple of weeks? If, if you do get back at it, what does that look like? Do you watch film all off season? And so they were able to give me a little bit of a framework for how they've done it. And I thought, you know, if, if they're probably going to be wearing a gold jacket someday and they've played 10, 15 years and gone to multiple Pro Bowls, what they're doing is probably good enough for me. So <laughs> that helped create a framework where sure. I wasn't totally just guessing. Yep. Uh, and many times I look back, I was doing things correctly, but I didn't have a framework to know that I was doing things correctly. So even when doing the correct things, if you're wondering, is this correct? You're really still kind of mentally churning. And so I think it's important to not only find the right stuff to do, but to know it's the right stuff so you can kind of be at peace. For sure. Knowing that exactly what you're doing, just keep doing it and you'll be just fine. A quick break for a thank you to our sponsor, OverEasy. If you are still looking for that healthy snack to eat throughout the day or to give your kids something that they actually like, look no further than OverEasy breakfast bars. Healthy and made with simple ingredients. My kids love them and I know they are starting their day with a nutritious snack. They are a staple here at ETS for our professional athletes and should be in your daily routine as well. well I mean, buy-in is huge, right? Like yeah. buying into whatever you're doing, whether well it's training, whether it's nutrition, 100%. whether it's 
it's football. You know, you, if you buy into something and you believe in it, I mean, that's why I'm also so passionate about UTS because because from from the day one, I knew like, hey, this is this is right for me. I'm gonna buy in. I'm gonna give everything I got, and I'm gonna live with the results. And the results, I felt great, and I and every year I, I kept getting better. And and it's like there's more buy-in, right? You just keep buying in more and more. I think what's really cool, like you said, you know, you you got advice from some people that have done it for a long time, and that's something I love about playing in these celebrity uh, golf tournaments because you're playing with these guys that maybe play basketball or or the yeah. golfers or um, other sports or maybe even it's a it's a um, a comedian or a yeah. musician and just kind of like uh, picking their brains of how they handle themselves, yeah. um, how they they handle their schedule, how they handle their training. It's, it's, that's one of my favorite things right. is to pick their brains and just to see maybe if there's one little piece I could sure. pull from what they do, maybe it's something mentally that they, they do. Uh, maybe it's their, their approach to the game. Um, the baseball guys are great with that. Yes. Just like mental approach to their game. It's fun uh, to get around other peak performers right. and kind of try to say what makes you tick and what have you done habit wise to get to where you are. And the consistent theme that I've found is I've, been around those people in different disciplines is, and we've talked about much of this, but when things got really difficult, they leaned in further and dug deeper and wanted it more. There was a passion there that said, no matter how much you try to derail me, you really can't discourage me. I'm just going to keep pushing in whatever discipline they were in. And, um, and so that's something, again, that you and I, I think, take with us. Then when we leave saying, that's how you separate yourselves is really having a passion that and a fire that cannot be you know, stamped out. Right. You talk about buy-in, right? Like one of the things that I, I preach all the time to our athletes and my kids is, you know, 99% effort is unacceptable 100% of the time, right? If you're going to do something, go all in on it and, and have that buy-in and put everything you have into that goal and whatever that is. And as a young kid growing up, right? Like everybody has, not everybody, but a lot of athletes, right? They want to get to the level you guys are at, right? And But don't necessarily understand what those steps are going to be and how much you actually have to pour into it and when you face adversity, how you're going to handle that adversity. Um, you know, so I think hearing, again, from the more athletes like you guys on, on that level is just super powerful is you got to pour your heart and soul into what you really love and believe and results will happen. Are they going to happen exactly how you wish? No. Are you going to have questions? Yes, but as long as you trust in his plan and you you keep putting the work in, you can get there. So, Amen. well, it's 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 like everybody, most people, all they see is what we do on Sundays. You know, they don't see what it takes to actually get to Sunday. No doubt. And I think that's why we you know we appreciate you so much coming on because it's great for especially these young athletes just to hear you know what it took to get to there. Yeah. It wasn't like you showed up and uh, got drafted and and started playing right. football. You know, it's it, there's a lot that goes into it and and it's it's so fun to reminisce and look back at how you got there. And sometimes I wonder if I had been given fifty scholarship offers as a junior in high school and walked around the halls of my high school like I was the man, which I would have done. <laughs> Let's be honest, I would have done that. And then went to that college and had the coach tell me how great I was and you're going to start right away. Even if you don't deserve to, just politically, we're going to have you start right away. Right. Um, and then let's say I'd been a first round pick and everyone told me how great I was. I, I just wonder what I've ever made it. I don't think I would have. I think I would have been too immature. I would have bought into the, the lies or the hype too quickly and too early. And I don't know that I would have made to the next step. And so I'm grateful for no scholarships yeah. for much of my journey. I'm grateful for being in a quarterback room that was filled with NFL talent such that I couldn't get on the field. I'm, I'm grateful for being the eighth of eight quarterbacks selected my year. Uh, at the time, I wasn't, right. but I'm, I'm grateful for it because it was 
not only the path the Lord had for me, but it was a path that really has enabled me, I think, to to still be playing and sitting on a podcast where someone would actually <laughs> care to hear what I have to say. <laughs> no, that's great. Well, thanks for sharing your story. That that uh, it helped me, even though I've been around you forever. Yeah. It's still stuff always comes up that that uh, you can take and, and learn from. And, and I know our athletes will love it. And, and hopefully they can use this and say, hey, like, I'm in that same boat. I got zero no scholarship doubt. offers. And I feel like I'm sure. a good enough, you know, basketball player, football player, golfer to, to make it no. to the next level. And my dad always pushing. told me when I wasn't getting offers, uh, he said, Kirk, the cream always rises to the top. It just takes a little longer sometimes. And your story is one that, you know, it's not like people notice you out of high school. But if you're good enough, they will find you. Right. And in Adam's case, it was a sideways deal. He had to go to a different type of pro day, and you know, and then he had to go to the Vikings rookie mini camp and all these things. And then he had to be on special teams in the practice squad. And but if you're good enough and willing to keep going, they'll they'll find you. They got people who are paid full time yeah. to go find you. Um, and so if you're good enough, the cream will rise to the top. You just gotta wait sometimes. For sure, yes, sir. I Appreciate do have one question. Oh, I just it. have to bring this yeah. up. I think it was a few years back sidelines i don't remember who you guys were playing um you're trying to start some uh, i, I some just want to get Twitter. the real story because i you know i think kirk you were kind of showing adam how to run around on the sidelines and i think there was like this hand gesture right like what really was adam right were you right like what's the what happened there well i was wrong for really showing a whole lot of emotion i probably need to just not ride the roller coaster i'm used to seeing right? him show yeah, emotion yes you know throwing his hands need up to at the just reps, stay but. steady but uh uh he he plays a lot of times with a with a um, intelligence on the field, the spatial intelligence, where he knows if I do this, I can't get open, and if I change something up, I can. And so there's you know Andrew Janoko coached him in in 2020, and then coached me in 2021. Would often say in our quarterback meetings in 21, people don't realize just how intelligent Adam is. You know, he talks about how he wasn't necessarily that book smart in school. <laughs> this guy, but Andrew Easy. says as, as a football player, he's very, very smart on the field. And so that backstory, just to say that Adam has a reason for what he's doing. He's not just out there uh, guessing. And at the time, he was running a route that he said, if I take that angle, I'm not going to get open. So he took a different angle. And I I felt he took a little while. I've got Khalil Mack coming at me. And if I don't know where he's going to be before he's going to be there, because I'm many times I have to have an educated guess and throw it early and just kind of say, he's supposed to go there, I'll put it there. I wasn't feeling him going in that direction. Right. And so I ended up checking it down or throwing it away or whatever I did. And it felt like it was a wasted play. So I come off the field thinking, man, if he had just maybe shaved it or been quicker, I could maybe put it on him. Or, and he's saying, no, you know, I have a reason for what I'm doing. And so that was kind of where we're at. I think it was the emotion behind it that maybe makes people sure. still talk about it to this day <laughs> because obviously those conversations are happening on a constant basis. But uh, um, and uh, Adam's the kind of guy where you have that conversation, it's over. Right. Because he does have emotional intelligence, self-awareness. It doesn't linger. There aren't grudges. There is a healthy ability to have, have candor and talk and then move forward. For sure. You know, and there's people where you probably can't have those type of interactions because right. they will linger. And so right. you have to have awareness of who you can do that with and who you can't. Adam's the guy I can do that with. Right. Well, you it's, guys have had quite the connection for, for a few years now. So obviously it's working what you guys are doing together. So I, I, well, I've, I've always said I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate my whole career to have played with very productive wide receivers. And that goes back to my days in Washington. But then coming to Minnesota, knowing that I was walking into a situation with Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, was very fortunate for me. Right. 
And then when Stefan goes to Buffalo and we draft Justin, and now I have Adam and Justin, that's very fortunate for me. So I've always said, you know, I've been fortunate to play with some really productive receivers. And um, and so I'm, I'm really grateful for that, you know, to have, have been able to play with Adam. I think it goes to, an, like, that was a good example of, like, people only see what, what happens on Sunday. Right. But they don't see, like, how many times in practice are we going to the side, like, hey, like, because I kind of have this, like, um, I kind of have this like anxiety that like you aren't going to know where I'm going. Sure. So sure. like how many times am I coming up to you and probably like annoying you during a practice of like, of like, Hey, like just so you know, on this route, I'm probably going to do this. Right. If we get this coverage, I'm probably going to do this. And you probably already know it, but well, like, it's really good. It's insight. kind of that, like, it's kind of that anxiety of like, Hey, like, and it probably stems from stuff like that. Where like, in my mind, it's like, I already knew what I was doing before the play even started because of the coverage. But you had a little bit of, uh, you, you kind of didn't un- know what I was doing and it was taking a little bit long. But if you had known, if I would have told you that week of practice, like, hey, like if this happens, like, and I take this high angle, right? you can throw it before I even break. right? So like, there's kind of like that little bit of anxiety in practice weeks where it's like, hey, like I better go t- tell Kirk this because I right. know what I'm going to do. But if he doesn't know, it doesn't matter. Right. No doubt. We talked about him playing the Packers last year where you said, you know, I really think that they're being told to play a certain leverage on me and, you know, I can take advantage of that. And so, you know, we kind of have to rethink what we're doing here. And those are really good insights that I can't feel right. walking off the field from a series and really sometimes can't even see on the pictures, but Adam's able to sense it the whole time. So getting that feedback is really important. And, um, and that's why you need that series in and series out for sure and i know yeah, we um you know again thanks for your time kirk oh, yeah. i really appreciate you coming on my last question i have for you is everybody knows you obviously as a football player incredible quarterback for the vikings um faith family super important to you what does kirk cousins look at doing and what do you look forward to when you are done playing like yeah. when, when the when the games are over like what do you see um what direction are you gonna be a pro golfer with with that or, or, or do you see your life going that's that's a great question i asked myself that question a fair amount um uh i i i do see myself being somewhat of a full-time dad you know i, I want the years with cooper and turner while they're still under our roof i, I want to maximize those years so to the degree that something would pull me away from that i'd probably say i have to pass uh, might as well just play football as long as I can. I, I also want my boys to really be able to participate in my football career. And I think Adam would say the same of his kids. And so I want to play long enough for them to be a part of it, to remember it, to be able to come to practice, play catch after practice, that kind of a thing. And, um, you know, when it's all said and done, I, I do have a passion, I think, for business, for investing, uh, trying to steward what we've been given. And, um, and so that'll probably be where my focus goes. But, you know, I'll kind of keep open hands and open mind and kind of see what what comes along my path. And uh, uh, it'll be interesting to follow. And I know that the better we play football and, the, and more importantly, the more games we win, a lot more doors are going to be open <laughs> when we're done playing. So winning football games is really the key, I think, to enjoying retirement because For that's sure. what opens a lot of doors. Well, Absolutely. don't forget about the once a week breakfast club that we'll be having. We do talk <laughs> about that. So we eat, we eat breakfast together in the facility most days and... Uh, uh, usually six feet apart, <laughs> but, uh, but hopefully now the protocol is gone, we can eat together at a table again. But we always said, you know, this is so much fun. What are we going to do when we're done playing? Right. And we just have to have breakfast on our own. Well, I said, well, you know, there's a lot of 
you know, breakfast diners we could meet at. For so sure. the, the, we're saying maybe once a week, we'll all just meet at a diner and just talk about the good old days and, uh, and have nice. breakfast together. That may have to happen. I hope I get an invite to a couple of those. <laughs> yes. Yes. That'd be good. Awesome. That'd be good. Well, we appreciate it as yeah, always. And yeah, great insight. And, uh, let's go win some games. Let's do it. Thanks for listening to the ETS podcast. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at ETS Performance HQ and visit our website at ETSPerformance.com for more information on ETS and how we can help you become a better athlete and a more elite individual.